Hello and welcome to the Beyond Your Research Degree podcast by the University of Exeter Doctoral College. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Beyond Your Research Degree. I'm your host Kelly Preece and in this episode we are continuing our series on securing jobs during COVID-19. Um, I'm speaking to another of our P- current PGRs who's not quite finished writing up but has started a job in a local authority. So Alexandra, are you happy to introduce yourself? Uh, so uh, my name's Alexandra Smith and um, I'm a PhD student at the University of Exeter. I'm based in the business school, um, but my PhD is on what I call the holistic health benefits of walking groups. So essentially, I'm looking at five different variables, organisational, landscape, physical health, mental health and social capital, and their influence on walking group participant motivation for joining, remaining and leaving. Um, So at the moment, I'm working with Devon County Council. I'm a public health research support officer. And it's a role funded by the NAHR, that's the National Institute of Health Research, and it sits within the the CRN, the Clinical uh, Research Network. So essentially, NAHR is really interested in expanding its public health portfolio. So my role is to sort of link up researchers um, to populations to to get data from. Um, So I can do that through connections that I have through the team within Devon County Council, Um, but also to to, um, create spaces for collaboration for public health. So I work across lots of different teams. So I will work with different individuals in DCC public health, but also broader DCC. So I'm also linking up with people in sort of who work more in the environment, who are interested in who are working in transport. Um, and also I'm working with sort of more partners as well. So community and voluntary sector, NHS, CCG, TRAS, um, those different kind of partnerships, academics as well. And at the moment, I'm working towards creating a webinar, which DCC will be hosting um, on the 8th of July. And that's really a a great collaborative forum to get academics and uh, other partners together to really talk through some of the the pressing public health issues that we have. And public health is such a a huge area. It really covers all aspects of of life, really. Uh, It's very interconnected. So it's really important to have those collaborative spaces. And currently what I'm designing is a kind of um, like a a platform. I'm looking to do this through um, sort of SharePoint uh, and also through um, Microsoft Teams to enable researchers and other um, other collaborators to, to get together to um, put together grant applications. The, the role that I have, Public Health Research Support Officer, is a new role and there are about 20 of me uh, across the UK uh, with this title. And next week I have my first uh, meeting to meet the rest of the, the team on that. So I I am new to a local authority. I'm new to public health. Um, I'm new to NHR. Um, very much started off like I did a I did a, a bachelor's in human psychology. I did a master's in psychological wellbeing and mental health. Then I worked as a research assistant at the University of Nottingham in the nursing, midwifery, and physiotherapy department. And from that, I kind of thought clinical perhaps isn't quite for me, but I've got more 
I really wanted more of a holistic perspective to individuals. So then that's when I moved to Exeter to do my PhD. Um, and then it just it started shaping more into a kind of public health policy kind of feel to it. Um, and then my supervisor suggested actually public health and maybe a local authority might work for you. Um, and this really, this is a fantastic opportunity because it kind of brings those two things together. It brings that public health interest um, and it brings that research element as well. So what I've been doing is engaging with different people. So I've been having one-to-ones with different members of the DCC public health team to understand their uh, research, their, their area that they're working on. And these could be really broad themes, uh, you know, that they could, could be um, children and young persons, or it could be mental health, or it could be planetary health. And they've been working on this for years and that I have to understand what it is that they're doing, you know, and what specific research element could be within that. So it's been a big learning curve if you don't if you don't know anything about that particular field to begin with. So it's very much you've got to swap your head from learning about one topic and then suddenly you have a meeting with somebody else on an entirely different project, you know, an entirely different topic. And it's just understanding those kind of connections that you can make to have like a broader you know we need something researched into this or we need this really specific you know kind of population so it's it's been a steep learning curve but I wouldn't have it any other way <laughs> yeah and I think that's a really important thing um, to acknowledge that quite often when you're moving from research into um any other sector but particularly kind of you know the public policy um kind of area that you're working in it's going to be a steep learning curve but that doesn't mean that you don't have valuable knowledge and skills exactly. and expertise to apply in those areas exactly exactly and it is really just about you know that um that frame of mind when you start applying for jobs that are outside academia because i, I don't know certainly certainly i found that i I perhaps didn't want to work in academia, although I did really still like research, but I wanted to get more into public health and understand that. But I don't have a public health master's and that's just not something that I could go straight into. You know, I, yeah. I need to get a job and I need to get some money. I, I can't just go study again. Um, and it is really just about I found LinkedIn incredibly helpful for that process, actually, because you can yeah. find different organisations and you can follow different people who are interested in you, interesting to you. And you can learn about opportunities that you never would have thought about. And that there is a learning to it where you have to understand and unpick some of that language. But some of it is just about um, immersing yourself in it and, from, and, and just constant exposure. The more exposure you get to it, over time you pick it up. Um, and yeah, I found that incredibly invaluable because then I broke out of my understanding the language of academia and the language of other organisations and therefore what they were looking for and that actually I yes. probably had those skills. I just needed to understand it in different words and I needed to sell it in different words. So I would say LinkedIn was actually invaluable for that, it really was. Um, and then, you know, it's just about going through those applications, give yourself enough time for it. So I suppose I take like I took I could two different strategies to it, like applying for loads of jobs, but also like I really want this one or I think I could really get that one. 
And I would probably say, if you have the time, try and do it more focused. But also, it can be really interesting to just apply more generally. So I, I got, um, I got an interview that was more about, um, you know, turning academic projects into like business ventures. I don't know that that's a direction that I want to go into. And it was really helpful to have that interview to understand maybe this wasn't something I wanted to pursue now. Um, but I never would have got that experience had I not applied for something totally different. So it can be a really useful learning strategy to, to apply for a variety of different things, perhaps in the first instance. And I suppose something that I would say is you you can be a bit overwhelmed with interviews suddenly like I would have like I don't know like four interviews four days in a row it, that's exactly how it could happen and you've got to do a presentation for it and you might have to do uh, like a, a group work for it um, so there is there is a big time commitment to it don't underestimate that because there's a lot of work you need to put in, particularly for my current job. Fortunately for my other interviews, I'd all I'd already been looking into public health things. And obviously public health stuff has been going on for years. Public health is England has been around for a while now. So there's lots and lots of information. There's lots of changes. The language is very involved. So it does take time if you're moving into a new area. But it's just about that exposure, that commitment, trying different things. Um, and yeah, it, it just got to the point where I I'd know I knew enough and I knew how to kind of frame myself. I knew what my I knew the things that I was particularly strong in. And I would say I don't want to say like it's your unique selling point, but. What is it that you have to offer and what is it that they have to offer? Like, yeah, OK, you need a job, but it's probably going to be way worse if you just have a job that you hate. It's much better to have a job where you're much more aligned with the values. So I would say I think it probably depends on you as an individual. But personally, being involved in health. It's like my values are really important to me. So my organisational, the organisation that I want to work with, I need to make sure that my values are aligned with theirs. Because if it doesn't, then it's just not sustainable. I'm not going to do a good job. I'm going to get fired. Then I'm not going to get like a very good, um, you know, like a reference, that kind of thing. Is it really worth it? Maybe it's worth just thinking about what do you want? and What do they have to offer? You know, it's, it's very true that people say, you know, it's not just that you are being interviewed, you're also interviewing them. You know, is do, do you just feel like maybe there's a bit of a toxic environment going on? Or do you feel like this this team really works as a team, that they really have this this combined overall sense of leadership, you know, this respect for one another? And that's really what I found at DCC. I, I couldn't be more happy. I really couldn't. I feel so much part of the team. Um, and I love this this mutual respect that everybody has for everybody. You know, from the top down, everybody feel you know everybody has that combined sense of of feeling valued and heard. And I think that 
I, I really appreciate that personally. And something really important I want to pick up on there is that lots of people are using things like LinkedIn as a kind of an awareness raising to see what's out there and what's possible. And where your skills and experience could be highly valued or sought after. Don't, don't underestimate your value. You know, as a researcher, you're trained to be creative in your thought. You're trained to look out for those little nuances and question everything. And I think that that's something that I found really interesting working at DCC because people are obviously trying to understand what is best practice, what is the literature, so that we can understand how we can support our populations the best. Um, but there's also this kind of practicality of like, we need to do something now. And research works at a completely different time to local authorities who need to be helping their populations now that they don't need to know the findings of a randomized control tile 10 years in the future. So it's really trying to sort of bring those two things together. And that's, that's something where I sort of really come in to help them with. And I suppose that the thing about you know, a, a local authorities that they're trying to, they've got to sort of split their population up to understand how we can, how can we support this population or that population, this geographical area or children and young persons or whatever. And research takes quite, a, can take quite a different approach. Research will go, don't make any assumptions and, you know, where, where are things that we can connect? Where are the similarities? Where are the differences? I have a background in psychology, so I'm sort of trying to understand more about how we can incorporate individual differences more into research. You know, it's this kind of within and between group differences. So there's this kind of like, there's two, there's two different needs going on, and it's about understanding how we can pick those apart and come up with a strategy going forward. Can you talk a little bit about the process of, of finding this the job that you're in at DCC and this opportunity? The the job that I actually got now, I got off the back of an interview. So I'd applied for like a like a, an intelligence analyst job at DCC. So I'm I'm based in intelligence as well. That's just where I sit in the team, but I actually straddle so many different like pretty much everything in public health I straddle um, because research is so broad um, and public health is so interconnected um, so that's what I applied for and the because obviously I'd got um, that analysis background I've got mis mixed methods background so Guantan Qual um, and I didn't get it. And the feedback that I got was great. It's just that you didn't quite tick some of the public health boxes. So get more familiar with with public health language and, you know, the JSNA, like joint strategic needs assessment, those kind of things. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like, then I got sent through the um, uh, like the, the job advert. I applied through it for it. Uh, I then had the interview and, and managed to secure the job. Uh, and, you know, and you're always going to get feedback and feedback is incredibly valuable. This isn't something to shy away from. Embrace it. It's really important and valuable things in there about values 
and you know like you said earlier about buzzwords and there are certain things that when we talk about careers are buzzwords and and feel like like platitudes and like kind of management speak and one of those is kind of the importance of knowing your values to finding um the right career path for you but actually in practice it is it's cliche and it's it yeah it, it feels like kind of business speak but it is actually true <laughs> yeah exactly and I I suppose you know I've fought it in the past and just gone like oh no business speak same so it just it turns me off completely it makes me feel like it totally goes against my values mm. but I look I, t- I suppose I look at it more as a language tool that I use to communicate a concept to other people and that message and that communication is more important than perhaps preconceptions I have about it yeah absolutely and and then the other one that I think really comes up in what you're saying is also the hidden job market which is another one of those kind of management speak things business speak things that you hear and you shudder but it is so true in practice yeah I I suppose what I would say about this is that it's it's totally different to what I thought that it was Mm -hmm. like it's uh you know it's not sort of like I mean I don't know how it works in other things like DCC has a, a structure and lots of other places do where you know you you have like tick boxes and you score a value based on like you know that they're looking for a topic or a theme or something and they will judge your answer you know the, I mean this is how I understand it to be um you know they'll, they'll give you a score on your answer for that topic you know that particular thing that they're asking you about during the interview and whoever gets the most points gets the job um so you know that it was totally different from what I understood to be that kind of hidden job market because I suppose the hidden job market I assumed it was sort of like you know oh here's this job and you should just go for it and I already know you but it doesn't it doesn't work like that every job's got to be advertised you know legally this has got to happen in terms of um, fairness Um, but if if somebody sees something in you and goes actually I think that this could be really useful to, to you then you will know about it. You'll know about it in advance. And you might know, you know, you know, you might know about it a couple of days, you might know about it a week or something. And that can give you a bit of lead time to think about, is this what I want? Give that person thanks, do some research into it. Um, so yeah, it's completely different to what I thought. I always thought it was some sneaky thing. It, it, it's not, it's not. It's more about somebody seeing something in you and going, actually, this might interest you. I suppose to begin with, I found this idea of networking quite scary um, and I felt quite awkward with it. But actually, if I just bring it back to what my values were, my values are helping people and helping the broader theme, you know, of of helping people generally with, um, you know, with physical activity or whatever. So in that respect, that's why it immediately struck me, oh, send this person you know that that paper or that um you know that link to that grant funding because it I'm helping somebody exactly and I think again you know you hear networking and again you think ah management speak business speak but actually you know it, it doesn't like you say about the hidden job market it's not necessarily your perception of it as a term it's not necessarily how it works in practice 
I think we've we've uncovered so much in this about kind of like actually the importance of your values to driving you and thinking about how you investigate and look at different jobs and be a bit more targeted than just using those kind of um, big job sites. Then the kind of hidden job market actually and applying for jobs, it creates new opportunities for you because you might not be right for the particular position that you've applied for. But there might be something else coming up that they go, oh, actually, we spoke to Alexandra and although she wasn't right for that job she'd be perfect for this job um and also the kind of you know networking doesn't have to be clinical it's about you know being collegiate and having conversations with people and and kind of helping (laughs) basically some advice that I got about sort of networking was about sort of keeping a contact and that sort of stuff I mean there there's just too much to do in a day you know and I don't know that all of that would be completely genuine if you if you had to. I mean, nobody can do that. That's just too much. If something just happens to crop up and it seems relevant to that person, then I'd send it. If it's kind of general like chit chat, I just don't know that that's that valuable for anybody. But it, it depends on who you are. It depends on who the other person is. It depends on sort of what stage they're at. Before we kind of bring... Um bring this to a close I wondered if we could talk a little bit about what you think so one of the anxieties people um, research degree students have tends to be about but what skills do I have that are relevant to you know relevant to industry or relevant to public policy or the public sector Um, and the answer is so so many Mm. (laughs) but I wondered if you could talk about your specific role and what are the what's the knowledge what the skills that you use from your PhD most in your in your work life? I think perhaps the reason why PhD students struggle with understanding the values that they have and the um, uh, how do you say uh, those broader skill sets um is because they've been doing a PhD you know these things are very that the environment is is completely different to other environments and it's kind of like very much your project and it can get quite intense and quite lonely sometimes even if you're attending you know a, a seminar or you're collaborating with somebody else it's still your project at the end of the day and I think when you're that close to something over time it can start to just feel like everything. It can just feel like it's the entire world and you don't know where you finish and the PhD begins. And I kind of feel like, I mean, I don't know, it might happen to other people. It's only happened to me. Um, and it's it's there that those kind of, that value or those, um, you know, those flexible skills, I think, get lost because you, you don't understand how, how to advertise it because it's just one, you know what I mean? Like you and the PhD are just one. And I think probably the, the biggest thing for me uh, that I use every day is collaboration. I mean, my PhD was very much just, you know, me sat at my desk, you know, and I tend, occasionally I would attend seminars, but they were 
I mean, there's really not very many people studying the area that I do. There's like one main person that I know in the world who's studying it. Um, so, you know, it can feel very lonely, but I've had different opportunities for collaboration and I've worked on different projects, different things that have come up within the university. I've kind of grasped those opportunities and made the full use out of them as much as you can so that you can demonstrate that you have those skills. And don't forget, it's not just about putting it on the paper, you know, in your cover letter or in your CV. It's then demonstrating that you have that at the interview. You know, if you want to, if you're trying to say, I have great listening skills, then listen. You know, really make sure that you're having those active listening skills. You're really listening to what those questions are. You're picking them apart and then you're answering those questions specifically. So I would say my interpersonal skills are the biggest thing that I use. And so I, I definitely would say it can be is it, it's the same with like talking to other people and using people as sounding boards. They can help you pick apart what your skills that are I mean yes there are those kind of hard skills that you have I've learned this bit of software I taught myself this if you've taught yourself something say it sell it that's really important because it shows that you're able to to learn and to adapt and to identify a need and fulfill it to be that reflect like to have that self-reflection and to go okay this is like a gap or like Okay, I'm going to call it a gap rather than a weakness, um, you know, and to be able to sort of fill that. I mean, you, you're you trained so highly in teaching yourself. That's really what a PhD mm-hmm. is. It's teaching yourself to teach yourself. <laughs> it's teaching yourself to learn. Um, so that's kind of the, the biggest thing. And that, that can really take you places. Thank you so much to Alexandra for a really fascinating and deep and involved discussion about how she came to her role working in public health and and the kind of career journey that she's been on, the application process and, you know, what she's doing now and how she's applying her experience from her PhD. And that's it for this episode. Join us next time when we'll be talking to another researcher about their career beyond their research degree.